Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Good morning, everyone. How are we going? Kids can go out to Power Kids now. Thank you very much. Give them a hand as they go out, learning about Jesus and putting Jesus first this morning, just like we're about to as well, because we're all children of God. Amen. The pause wasn't necessary. Thank you very much, though. I appreciate it very, very much. Yeah. Let's pray as we get into God's Word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your Word, that it is living and active. It never dies, Lord. Your Word speaks to us. It challenges us. It rebukes us. It motivates us. Lord, I pray every person in this building would ask one question. Holy Spirit, what are you teaching me this morning? Let us be open to receive. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in high school, which was a long time ago, must have been about year eight or so, so I was like 14, I guess, I was sitting in English class, and our teacher gave us a new assignment. And it was the worst news I'd ever received in my life. I can write stories, I can do comprehension, I can even write essays. I'm pretty good. But this new assignment was the worst one ever. It is, of course, the dreaded oral report. It's the oral presentation. Who loves giving oral presentations in front of a whole group of people? Jimmy's like, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, that one hand. I see that hand. The very idea of getting up and speaking in front of my whole class, I was just like, Lord, just kill me. I would prefer to die. That's not an exaggeration. I want the earth to open up and swallow me whole <laughs> before I get up in front of other people. There's got to be a better idea, a better plan than me having to speak in front of my peers. The irony that I'm telling you this story in front of a large group of people is not lost on me. I understand. I get it. Don't worry. I'm very different than 14-year-old me, trust me. From the moment that I found out my impending doom, this assignment, I spent every waking moment dreading what was to come. The weeks went by, meant to have our assignment researched and written and ready to go. And the teacher was going to, from a certain class, was going to randomly choose the people to get the presentation in that class time. No, no schedule, no plan, just randomly choose. So for the whole of that week or two, I entered that classroom, I would literally be shaking, hoping, praying, even though I didn't believe in Jesus at the time, I was praying that anything would happen that I wouldn't have to give my report. One class went by, I escaped. My name wasn't called out. Then another class went by, and then another class went by. But every day I wake up and the, having to do this speech would dominate my thoughts. It was the only thing that I would think about. I have to do this, I have to do this. And as a guru at the end of the term, as holidays approached, I knew we had to be getting close. We're running out of classes. We got all the way to the last English class of term. And I'm like, today's going to be the day. It's going to be the day. I, I can't do this, I can't do this. Another name called out, another name called out. I'm watching the clock. I'm thinking, I can count down the minutes until the end of class. I can just survive. I can just survive until the end. It's like the Australian cricket team, just wanting to survive. Please keep on raining so we don't have to bat anymore. I was, I was watching the time, counting down the minutes, there's cold sweats, and then the bell rings, and the lesson is over. I don't know how, 
But to this day, I never gave my presentation. The teacher forgot me. <laughs> Completely forgot that I hadn't done my presentation. It would have been enough for me to believe in Jesus. At the time, I didn't. That's all right. It happened later on. For weeks, though, I had this anxiety, this stress, this one assignment dominated and plagued my mind, and nothing, nothing happened. I tell you this story for one reason, to help us understand what a burden is. This morning, I talk on overcoming your burdens. Back into our overcoming series, Overcoming Our Burdens. So the question I have to ask is, what is a burden? How do we define what a burden is? We all have felt burdens. We all have burdens all of the time. This life brings burdens. We know what it feels like, but how do you define a burden? Well, for our purposes this morning, we're going to adopt the same definition, just so we can get together on the same page. A burden is this. It is something that weighs on your mind. That's what it is. It's something that weighs on your mind. It is that thing, a thought, uh, someone in your life. It is that thing you have to do, a task. It's, it's that thing you find yourself thinking about all too much. It completely dominates your thinking. Your mind, your thoughts keep going back to that thing that needs to be done or that thing that's stressing you out, that person. It makes you feel uneasy. You feel the pressure on your shoulders. You simply can't escape it. Like it hangs over you. That's your burden. Now, before we go any further, I want to clarify some things. Firstly, I recognize that we carry multiple burdens, that we try and juggle them. Sometimes we juggle them well. Sometimes we juggle them not so well. But burdens don't come in a linear fashion. We don't have one burden, deal with that burden, then get another burden. That's not how life works. We juggle our burdens. So I understand that. And the second thing is I don't want you to go into this, even though I've titled the message Overcoming Your Burdens, I don't want you to think that I will be sharing some method on how to erase burdens from your life. That's not where we're going. I know Brad, you're disappointed now. What I'm sharing is about overcoming burdens, but doesn't mean that you'll be free of burdens. That's not what I'm saying. So are we clear? Do we understand? This is not three easy secrets to a burden-free life. But this will become clearer as we move along. With that in mind, we're going to look at the Word this morning. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is not the sermon I set out to do today. When I started writing this, this week's sermon, I was writing a completely different topic. And when I was researching that topic, I came across this portion of Scripture, as you can see on the board right now. And when I read it, God was like, I want you to speak on this. And I was like, okay. So I had to restart. And that's what I did. So I want you to understand that God led me here this morning. I truly, firmly believe that. We're going to read Matthew 17, verse 24 to 27. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said, From others... Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea, cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. This is a very strange little event in the ministry of Jesus. It's tucked away at the bottom of 
chapter 17, which is, of course, is the famous transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain. Huge, huge event. And then there's the healing of the demon-possessed boy. Huge event. And then we have these four verses at the end of Matthew 17 that I think are often overlooked. We read them and then we sort of move on to chapter 18. But I think it's very significant. We have Peter. And Peter's walking back to what I would call their base of operations in Capernaum. It's their headquarters while they're there. Most likely the home of Peter himself, his home in Capernaum. And it's here he's affronted by these tax collectors. Now these aren't Roman tax collectors. These aren't like Matthew, the writer of this gospel, who was a tax collector. But he collected taxes for Rome, which is why everyone hated him, because he was a traitor. He was a Jew taxing his own people for a foreign power. Now these guys are collectors from the temple. These are Jewish tax collectors. They were collecting what is known as the two drachma tax, or the temple tax, or the census tax. It's got lots of names. There's another one later on. This tax has its origins in Exodus 30, which is important, but I'll get to that later on. So you have Peter being approached on his own by these tax collectors, and they have questions about his teacher, that is Jesus. In this short but significant event, we find three distinct types of burdens. Three distinct types of burdens that Peter encounters. They're the kinds of burdens that we also find ourselves having today. They're ones that we carry around with us in the 21st century. So I'm going to go through the story looking at these three kinds of burdens. Number one is social, emotional, psychological burdens. I've grouped them together for, to be succinct. I understand there's lots of different kinds of burdens we have in life, but we're going to look at three today from this story. Social, emotional, psychological burdens. Three kinds of burdens. These burdens are the ones that derive from our emotions. Social situations, our contexts, the way we think, it's our thought life. They could be expectations placed on us by the relationships we have in our lives, whether it be at home, whether it's family, whether it be social circle, whether it be at work. They're things placed upon us. They're emotional burdens. Um, uh, we feel a burden because of our emotional state, our feelings towards people or a circumstance. They can be psychological, born from trauma, a loss, a stress reaction to something that happened. Whatever one they are, whatever it is for you, it affects your thinking. They weigh on our mind. And this is the first burden we see Peter confront. Peter's approaching his own home, just going back to where he lives, Somewhere these collectors know that he will be. This is not some chance meeting. These collectors have laid in wait. They're waiting for Peter. They take the opportunity to confront him when he is without Jesus. They come to corner him. How do we know this? Because they come armed with a loaded question. Does not your teacher pay the tax? The question, the tone of the question is very argumentative. It's accusatory. It's not they said, hi, Peter, how are we going today? Just wondering, do you know if Jesus pays the temple tax or not? That's not the question they asked. Does not your teacher pay the tax? That's what they said. A different tone. The thing is, these collectors know very well whether Jesus has paid the tax or not. They know he hasn't paid the tax. Why? Because it's a census tax. You have to go to the temple to pay this tax and they record your name. That is how the tax works. So they have a list of people who have paid the tax and those who haven't paid the tax. They know that Jesus hasn't paid the tax. Yet they come to Peter with this inflammatory question. They're coming 
to foster Peter. They come with this knowledge and they corner him. Now Peter, Peter's caught off guard. He's caught off guard. And he's, he is asked this ambiguous question. Does not your teacher pay the tax? Now in other translations, the question is made much clearer. Because the purpose of the question is not a secret. We know what they're asking. They're asking, does he pay the tax? But in the original language and in the ESV we're reading today, the question is slightly more ambiguous. Does not your teacher pay the tax? It's a weird way to ask the question. And what does, Jesus, what does Peter say? He says, yes. He just blurts out, yes. Yes, he does not pay the tax, or yes, he does pay the tax. Which one, which one is it? Jesus is cornered, Peter is cornered, asking about Jesus. Does not your teacher pay the tax? Yes. And the conversation's over. They move on. The conversation's done. We have no more information about what was said after that. Peter's first thought in that moment is to defend Jesus. He wants to be loyal, wants to defend him. He doesn't want to say anything out of turn, so he just says yes, because that's better than saying no, right? So he just says yes. Yes will cover a multitude of sins. Yes. I will say yes. But now Peter's thinking, isn't he? He's thinking, does Jesus actually pay the tax? Does Peter even know? I mean... Peter hasn't known Jesus his whole life. Has Jesus always paid the tax? Peter has no idea. So Peter's thinking, oh, does he actually pay the tax? I don't know. And if he doesn't pay the tax, do I just do the wrong thing by saying he does pay the tax? So now he's thinking about these questions. And now he's thinking, wait a minute, these guys came to me asking about Jesus. So there's obviously some sort of plan out there to try and trick Jesus. And now he's thinking about that. And now he's thinking, I shouldn't have spoken for Jesus. That was the wrong thing. I shouldn't have done that. I mean, they want to answer about Jesus, not about me. I should have just said, let's go ask Jesus. But was it right for me to answer on Jesus' behalf? So you think all these questions, it's like going through Peter's mind. Have you ever said something in life and thought to yourself, why did I say that? Is it just me? Anyone has ever said something that they thought, oh, I shouldn't have said that? Yeah, every day of my life. I shouldn't have said things. Now Peter is thinking about all of these things. They're racing through his mind. They've become a burden for him. And so Peter rushes to Jesus. He wants to tell him what's happened. It's all in his head. It's buzzing through his head. I've said too much. I shouldn't have said that. Does he pay the tax? I don't know. Running through his head. You know, he's flustered. You know, he's flustered because in verse 25, it says he comes in the door. That is Peter. He comes in the house and it says Jesus spoke to him first. Jesus goes, cuts right through. In other versions, it says, Jesus interrupted Peter. So Peter doesn't get a word out. He's all worked up. He's flustered. He comes in the door, and Jesus is the one who speaks first. He stops him in his tracks. Peter is so concerned. He wants to blurt out all this, what's happened. But Jesus steps in and doesn't let him do it. So Peter's been cornered. He's been questioned about Jesus, to which Peter has given a very hasty response. He's overstepped the mark. And now he knows there's a plan to try and catch Jesus out. He rushes in, and then Jesus doesn't give him a chance to speak. It's all stuck in his head. See, these types of burdens, they dominate your thinking. These kind of burdens, they dominate your thinking. They take over. We become fixated on them. They stress us. They worry us. They cause us to become flustered. We spend too much time replaying 
these thoughts that we stop thinking about the stuff that we should actually be thinking about. When we allow these thoughts to burden us, we stop thinking straight and we stop living life the way God wants us to live. We allow them to take over. So that's the first kind of burden. The second kind of burden is material burdens. Material burdens. So whether it's financial or health or home-related, we all face material burdens. The need to make ends meet or dealing with a health concern, having a roof over our heads, food on our tables. They all represent material needs. And when our material needs are compromised, the burden weighs us down. Peter, in his flustered state, answering questions he shouldn't have really answered, must have realised also an important fact. must have dawned on him in the moment. The collectors came looking for Jesus about his unpaid tax, but Peter would know too that he has not paid the tax either. Jesus and the disciples have been ministering far and wide. There's been no chance for them to get back to Jerusalem, to the temple, to pay the tax. They've been busy, which is fine because they have a whole year to pay the tax. There's no date yet. You've got a whole year, so you don't have to rush straight away. So Peter hasn't gotten there either. He hasn't paid his tax. The next time the tax collectors come, will they question me as well? Peter's thinking. Or maybe the next time they'll come, they'll ask these questions in front of a crowd full of people who are honest, God-fearing Jews who have all paid their tax and they'll try and embarrass us. So now Peter has a material need and the burden of trying to formulate a solution to solve that need. The problem with the material burdens is that we spend all our effort and resources and time looking to solve them. These burdens rob us of one of the most precious resources, time. Material need resource burdens, they consume our time. They consume our time. When we are burdened, we spend more time trying to fix the problem. We work harder, we're trying to earn more money, we work longer hours. If we aren't well, we spend more time not doing the things we love with the people that we love. We get less quality time. We get weighed down, spending all of our time trying to eliminate the burden. It just takes time away from us, looking to solve it ourselves. The third burden are spiritual burdens. Spiritual burdens. It is difficult to live a life of faith without encountering some kind of spiritual burden. People can have a crisis of faith. We can have doubts. We can have a lack of faith at times. Some people go through a deconstruction of their faith, measuring up what do I really believe People change from one spiritual belief to another spiritual belief. Sometimes it's not even a negative burden in the spiritual realm. Sometimes we get a burden to pray for someone else. That's a God-given burden, which is good. We have a burden to pray for the Holy Spirit, puts someone on our heart, puts someone on our mind, and we pray to intercede for them. That's a spiritual burden, but a positive one. So it's different kinds. But often, often we can be burdened when we lack faith. When Waiting on God is difficult. Trusting in Him, even when we can't see the scene, the light at the end of the tunnel. There seems to be no end to this burden. And you struggle to believe a little bit. You see, Peter found his own spiritual burden in this conversation with Jesus. It involved Peter trusting Jesus, even though he couldn't really get his head around what Jesus wanted him to do. See, Jesus provides an answer for the money to pay the tax. Jesus is going to meet Peter's material need. 
He tells Peter in verse 27 to go down to the sea, cast a hook, the first fish you cash, in its mouth there'll be money, a shekel. So Jesus tells Peter that the solution for you, Peter, a fisherman, is to go fishing. That's the solution. On one level, Peter's like, okay, I can do that. Yep, I'm a fisherman. I can fish. Not a problem. But Jesus doesn't want Peter to do the fishing in the way that Peter does fishing. He doesn't want Peter to do what he's comfortable with. Jesus says, go cast a hook. My dad was an avid fisherman when I was growing up. An avid fisherman. Every weekend he would fish. Which is great because it meant in my house we had fresh fish all my life growing up. And this is the kind of fishing my dad went. He went, he found bait, he got um, yabbies out of, the, out of the beach and he put them on a hook and he cast the, the rod cast the hook into the ocean and he would fish. That's how my dad fished. When you think of fishing, you think of rod and reel, that kind of thing. That's not how Peter fishes. Peter is a commercial fisherman. It's his job. He fishes with nets from a boat. When did Peter last use a rod? Here's a question for you. Has Peter ever used a rod? Don't forget, as a Jewish boy, he would have been taught fishing from his father, who also would have been a commercial fisherman. So Peter has probably fished with nets his entire life. And I'm sure when he's not working, the last thing he feels like doing is going fishing with a rod. She spent all day fishing. So when did Peter last use a rod? As a kid? Maybe never. So Peter has to do something that's not natural to him. And then Jesus says, the first fish you will catch will have a coin in its mouth. Ah, Jesus, I've been fishing for some time now. And I have never, ever seen a fish with a coin in its mouth, like ever in my life. You can picture Peter taking this in. The solution to paying our taxes is for me to do something I haven't done before to find something I've never seen before. That's the solution. To do something I've never done before, to find something I've never seen before. That takes faith. Does Peter have doubts? Probably. Does he have a spiritual burden now? Yes. He has to believe in Jesus. He's got to have faith that what Jesus said will happen, will happen. It's now weighing on his mind. See, spiritual burdens, they affect our faith. They affect our faith. We want to believe, we want to wholeheartedly trust God, but do we? Do we wholeheartedly trust Him? To let go and let God, as they say. To not be seeking our own solutions, but fixing things ourselves, but to have faith enough that He will provide, that He will be there. I want to draw your attention back to what I said before. That overcoming burden is not necessarily about God taking them away living that burden-free life we want. You see, overcoming our burdens doesn't mean we won't have any. Overcoming our burdens doesn't mean we won't have any. As I said before, sometimes a burden not necessarily negative, like the spiritual burden to pray for someone, when the Holy Spirit brings someone to mind so you can pray into their situation, you can intercede for them. Sometimes burdens there are difficult but necessary. Paul famously writes in 2 Corinthians 12, he says that he had a thorn in his flesh that he asked God to remove, but God didn't. We don't know exactly what Paul, Peter, Paul was going through. We don't know what he was enduring. 
but I'm sure we can agree that it was a burden for him. But God responds to Paul. He says that my grace is sufficient for you. The burden prevented Paul, as he writes, from becoming conceited. So he had to rely on God. So in his weakness, he was actually strong. So sometimes, sometimes burdens are used by God to grow our faith, to make us stronger so we can rely on God. So therefore, sometimes there are some burdens we need to carry for a season. There are some burdens we need to carry for a season. Whether it's a burden that we take up or a burden that has been thrust upon us or whether or not God is using it to grow you or not, maybe, just maybe, you need to carry that burden for a while. We can take up a burden for someone else. We can alleviate the pressure on someone else to show them love by carrying what they cannot carry. So the burden-free life, perhaps, isn't our aim at all. Maybe our goal isn't to be burden-free. Maybe our aim is this, to allow God to enable us, strengthen us, and fill us so that overcoming our burdens is really not ridding ourselves, but carrying them to completion. Allowing God to strengthen us, enable us, and fill us so we can carry our burden to its completion. Maybe that's what God wants from us. So with that in mind, with that new definition, how do we overcome our burdens then? Well, thankfully, the Word of God has the answer as well. And we find it in these four verses. So how do we overcome social, emotional, psychological burdens? How do we do that? What's our first move? Overcoming social, emotional, psychological burdens. We bring them to Jesus first. We bring them to Jesus first. What is the first thing that Peter does after his encounter with the collectors? He rushes to Jesus. He runs to Jesus. He rushes inside to speak to Jesus. He goes to Jesus first. He's flustered. He has overstepped. Has he misrepresented Jesus? There's a plan out there to undermine Jesus' integrity. And Peter is burdened by these thoughts, but he knows where to go. He knows what he needs to do. Go to Jesus and lay it all out. Jesus himself says this in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 11, earlier on, he says this in verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus tells us to come to him. If we are burdened, take it to him and he, and we will find our rest. He will give us rest. His yoke is light. When we attach ourselves to Jesus, the weight is lessened. You know a yoke, an oxen, they plow a field. And one oxen can do it in a certain amount of time. But if you take the yoke and you put two oxen on that yoke, they can do it much faster and much easier. That's what Jesus is saying. Take my yoke and we'll do it together. We will do it together. The weight of the burden is lessened. He helps us carry them. I love that Peter ran to Jesus. But I love more so that Jesus stopped Peter from talking. It's great. The need to get off his chest must have been huge for Peter. But he doesn't even get to speak. Why? Because Jesus already knew. 
Jesus already knew about the conversation. He knew where it happened. And so Jesus asked Peter a question about taxes and about those who were exempt. Immediately addressing the conversation that Peter had outside, Jesus knew exactly what had happened. Whatever your burden, Jesus knows. He knows what your burden is. He knows what it is, and he knows best how to overcome it. But we need to take them to Jesus. We need to surrender ourselves to him. We need to stop trying to fix the solution for ourselves in our own strength and go to Jesus first. Humble ourselves. Accept that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Everything is better with Jesus. We have to go to him first and foremost. Not taking our time, but as Peter did, we need to rush to Jesus. We need to rush to him. When a burden is put upon you or you take one up, find a place to go to Jesus and give it over to him. We can all do that where we are, at work, at school, wherever you are. You can find a place and take it to Jesus. Don't delay. Rush to Jesus first. Secondly, we need to overcome material burdens. How do we overcome those burdens which are material in nature? The financial burdens, the, the material stuff that keeps us needing to tend to it, to pay for it, to maintain it. It never seems to off, to end. It, like, this stuff never seems to end. What did Peter do? He first took his burden to Jesus, and then what did Jesus do? He provided a miracle to cater to the need. God knows what your burden is. He knows what your need is. And we need to remember that God is our God of provision. God is our God of provision. He is our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Who knows that song we're growing up? Have you ever that song? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's gracious, sufficient for me, for me, for me. You know when Jim gets up and he sings old hymns? You know he does that? And they're from about 100 years ago? I have no idea. I've never heard them in my life. Because I didn't grow up in the church. I, I didn't become a Christian until I was an adult. But that song I know, because it was from Lismore Baptist Church. And it's like, yeah. You know, the first church of Jay and I went to. He is our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. God is able to meet your needs. Does this mean that God will answer your prayers and meet your needs in the exact way at the exact time that you want or expect? No. No, it doesn't. God knows your burdens, and he also knows that we, what we don't know. His answers to prayer are always what is best, and they happen when he's best. God can be at work doing something that you can't even fathom. Not just in your life, but in the life of people around you. He, he's answering prayers that you don't even know about in a way that you can't even comprehend. That's why in Hebrews 11.6 it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because there's so much that we don't know. But he knows. He will answer your need in his time and in his way, because it is the best way and the best time. For Peter, it was pretty straightforward. Jesus provided the need straight away. A direct solution to the unpaid tax. You read again in verse 27, Mass 17, it says, however, not to give offence to them, this is, this is the solution, go to the sea, cast a hook, take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you'll find a shekel, Take that and give it to them for me and yourself. You see, the shekel that Peter finds in the fish's mouth was the exact amount needed 
to pay the tax. The shekel, or was known as the Greek stator, was worth four drachma. Two times two, two drachma. Jesus provided exactly what was needed. Know that God is fully aware of your needs, exactly. If we go to him, give him the glory, trust in him, and the burden will be overcome. In his way, in his time, for his glory. There is no other way. Overcoming our spiritual burdens. The same verse gives us, gives us the answers for our upcoming, overcoming our spiritual burdens. It's no different from the last point. We overcome our spiritual burdens by trusting in God and his plans. We need to trust in God. Trust him in his plans for your life. Now we, we know. We know that Peter wasn't really sure about Jesus' method. Even though it didn't make sense to do something I've never done before, to, to find something I've never seen before. All Jesus needs from Peter is faith. That's all he needs. He just needs him to trust him. We need to trust God. We need to trust God wholeheartedly, without doubt. Why can we trust God? I can give you two reasons to trust God. What I love about this passage of Scripture is how it ends. Jesus instructs Peter on exactly what to do. Go to the sea, throw in a line, pull out the first fish, there will be a coin. Step-by-step process. That's exactly what Peter does. He goes fishing, gets a coin that's enough to pay the tax, and he pays the tax. That's what happens, right? No. Oh, we don't know. The verse ends and verse 27, with Jesus telling Peter what to do. We don't actually know if Peter did that. The Bible doesn't tell us. We don't see Peter's reaction or his next move. We don't know. The miracle is left incomplete. I think it's the only time it happens in Scripture when the miracle is left incomplete, that we don't know. It just ends with instructions for Peter. Here's the question for you. For those of us sitting here and those at home, those of you who believe in Jesus, have you ever doubted that Peter did exactly what Jesus told him to do? Anyone? Have you ever doubted that Peter went, okay, Jesus, I'll go and do that very thing? even though we don't actually know, even though the Bible doesn't say. Does any believer really doubt that Peter, he went fishing, he cast out a hook, he took out the first fish, and there was a coin in his mouth? Who doubts that happened? Anyone? No, of course not. Why? Because Jesus said it would happen. That's, that's all we need. That's all Peter needed. We just need to believe that Jesus said it would happen. And if we believe that, why can't we believe Jesus now with your burden? If you believe that, there is no reason for you not to believe that Jesus can answer your burden as well. None. None. Trust in him and trust in his plan for your life. He is the same Jesus we read in Scripture. He's the same Jesus that we have now. And the second reason is this. This is my last point. I said way back at the beginning, the tax those tax collectors came to collect originated in the time of Moses. The two drachma tax, temple tax, census tax. It comes from Exodus 30. We're going to read that together. Exodus 30, verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, When you take the census of the people of Israel, then each shall give a ransom for his life to the Lord when you number them. 
that there will be no plague among them when you number them. Each one who was numbered in the census shall give his half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary, half a shekel as an offering to the Lord. Look up in a second. Everyone who's numbered in the census from 20 years old and upward shall give the Lord's offering. The rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less than half the shekel when you give the Lord's offering to make atonement for your lives. In the time of Moses, this offering was referred to later as the ransom tax. The ransom tax. It was an offering to God to make atonement for their lives, men aged 20 and up. Why? Because they were the fighting men. They were the ones who went to war. They were the ones who killed. They had to make atonement for their sin. They had to make atonement for their lives. They had to pay the ransom, the ransom tax. When Peter comes burdened by everything that was the fallout of him being confronted with the tax collectors, Jesus gives Peter exactly what he needs. He allays Peter's fear because he explains to him, I don't really need to pay the tax anyway. That's Jesus' whole spiel about, does a king tax his son or other people? And Peter goes, other people. Then the sons are free. Jesus is saying, I am the son of God. God is the God of the temple. Because I am my father's son, I don't need to pay the tax. I'm exempt. I don't need to pay the tax. But because Jesus knows that other people don't understand who he is, those Jews don't believe that he is the son of God, that he is the Christ. They don't accept him. He pays the tax anyway. Not to, take, not to pay offence to them. He does what the word of God says. He pays the tax from Moses' time because that is in the law of God, the law of the word. That's what he does. Jesus does the right thing, even though he doesn't have to because that is what Jesus does best. He provides the ransom tax for Peter. He pays a debt that Peter owes because that is what Jesus came to do. He paid our debt that we could not pay. He paid the ransom for our lives, ransom for our sin with his blood and his body, given on the cross so we are free. This story about Jesus, about Jesus paying our ransom and us being able to trust in him because Jesus did everything he needed to do to save us. This is why we trust Jesus. This is why we go to him first. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He provides for us. He is our Jehovah Jireh. All that is left for us to do is one thing. Trust him. Trust in Jesus. Overcoming our burdens is all about bringing them to Jesus and then he takes them or he helps us carry them to completion. He helps us carry them till it's time to let them go. I'm going to ask the musicians if they would come a second. I'm going to do something this morning because what I recognize is that every person in this room has a burden of some kind. You have a social, emotional, psychological burden, you have a material burden, or you have a spiritual burden, or you have all three. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to take them to Jesus. We're going to believe and we're going to trust in him. Amen?
What I want you to do is I want you to stand this morning. There's not enough room for everyone at the front, so where you're standing is fine. And what I want us to do is I want us to rush to Jesus. Okay? And we do that in this place by simply surrendering to him. By simply closing our eyes and lifting our hands to Jesus and saying, Lord, I bring you my burden. And we're going to do that this morning as an entire church and those watching at home. Take your burden this way. I'm going to pray for you. If you want to pray for your own burden yourself in your own way, that's fine. Happy, that's cool. Because that's between you and God, remember? No one else needs to know. Just between you and God, because God already knows. There's no reason to not bring the burden, because he already knows. But he needs you to surrender them to him. It has to be a choice of our will to surrender our burdens to him. So we're going to stand this morning. We're going to give our burdens. I'm going to pray for you. You can agree with my prayer in your heart if you wish, or you can pray yourself. As a church, we're going to take our burdens to Jesus. Because he knows, and because he did everything to save us, we know we can trust him. So I want everyone to raise their hands to the Lord this morning. Close your eyes, no need to look around. Just raise your hands this morning. You know your burdens. You know what's plaguing your mind, what dominates your thoughts. The thing you keep going back to that you can't shake. You know what they are. One, two, three, could be many. I want you to take them to Jesus this morning. I want you to picture in your mind the cross of Jesus. And I'm going to pray for you this morning. Agree with me how if you want, or pray yourself for yourself, that's fine. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you. Every single person here, every single person watching at home, myself included, we come to you and we submit ourselves to your authority. We come to you and we lay ourselves down at the cross and we give you our burdens. Lord, we surrender our burdens to you. We surrender our burdens to you. And we say, God, take them or help me carry them. It's up to you. Lord, if you can take these burdens off me, I pray you take them. Take them so I am burden free. But Lord, I recognize, I understand, just as Paul understood, I understand that maybe you need me to carry this burden for a while. Maybe you can use this burden to strengthen me, to make me stronger. And so God, I come to you, I say, Lord, I take upon the yoke of Jesus. And I say, help me carry them to completion. Help me carry the burden to completion. Help them give them over to you so they stop plaguing my thoughts because I know that you're with me and that you are doing a work and you are doing something. I don't have to think about them all the time because you're helping me carry them. Lord, I recognize that you are my provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. Your grace is sufficient for me. So fill my need, take my burden, and help me carry them. And Lord, I declare, I make a commitment now that I trust in you. I trust in you wholeheartedly. I don't doubt for a second that you are with me, that you live within me, that you love and you care for me, that you came to do what you came to do. You came to set us free, to do one thing you did not have to do, but you chose to willingly obey and went to the cross. 
We do not doubt for a second. We do not doubt you from the word of God. So, Lord, there is no reason for us to doubt you now. That you are with me and you are with every single person here. Lord, we give you our burdens. Take them, help us carry them to completion. And we declare, as individuals, as a church, we declare that God do it in your time, in your way, for your glory, because there is no other way. Lord, we believe. We trust in you. We give you our burdens, because your burden is light and your yoke is easy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your precious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.